Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Um, welcome back, everybody, to the Buller Express podcast. Uh, this is our second episode of 2023. Uh, I'm not sure what it is in total, but uh, we've been trucking along since August, and we're, we're having a blast. So um, this is the Boiler Express podcast, though, weekly Purdue podcast, where our goal is to have fun, um, shine a light on some great Boilermakers along the way, uh, maintain a positive outlook um, on all things Purdue. And as always, uh, I am your host, uh, the Ultimate Boiler. Uh, we've got a normal crew here as well. We've got Dylan uh, right above me. We've got Frank the Stat Tank, uh, Chris, or 5-0 Ghost. And uh, we've got a special guest with us tonight. We're pretty excited about it. We have got a former Purdue Boilermaker, uh, tight end, current uh, Los Angeles Ram, and uh, Super Bowl champion, Bryson Hopkins. Bryson, thank you for joining the, the, the call tonight, man. We appreciate it. What's going on, guys? I appreciate y'all for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, um, we're excited to get to talk to you. Just pick your brain a little bit about your time at Purdue, um, what it's been like in the first couple of seasons of your NFL career, and just get to know you more as a person and hopefully um, put a spotlight on you for uh, anybody tuning in right now to just get to know you better, um, which is always a great thing. So um, we'll kind of just get started here with your time at Purdue. Um, so you... <coughs> came in i believe in uh 2016 and um you know that was a time where uh you know right around uh, right around the beginning of the brahm era so um uh, a coaching change uh new uh new staff um and, and kind of a, a big time and a cultural shift of purdue football um you know so what was that like uh going through that coaching change you know going uh working with coach brahm uh, and all those guys you know what was that what was that change like for you guys yeah, um, so I came in in 2015, actually. Uh, I did five years, so my first two were under Hazel. Um, so I got a good taste of, of you know, some, some humblings that might have happened early in my couple uh, years at Purdue. But definitely, uh, as soon as I got the news that, that Brom was coming in, I started also getting the news from third parties that, oh, he likes his tight ends. So um, all I saw that was as an opportunity, you know, just 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 – uh, show him what I can do, what I'm what I'm capable of, um, and let him work with the rest. You know that's that's how a good coach works. So um, I just kind of put my faith in him. He was putting me in the right position on the field. As uh, bread and butter after that, I pretty much uh, enjoyed every other game after after that. Once they started kind of using me and um, and exposing other people in matchups that they thought I could take advantage of. Um, but yeah, you definitely see. I mean, the record will say for itself also recruiting and other players like Rondale and Marcus and, you know, even my boy Aiden who came in my fifth year and he's just had a hell of a year. You know, I'll preach till the day I die that he is one of the main reasons why I had such a successful year my fifth year. Um, and I, he deserves all the credit in the world that he had then and he's getting now. So um, just a lot of good, good, good guys on the team, a good team. And I appreciate Brom for, uh, yeah, shining a light on me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we, you know, um, uh, last year uh, won the Music City Bowl against a pretty good Tennessee team. And then this year, uh, making it to the Big Ten Championship game. What was that like for you to see that um, kind of unfold these last two seasons, seeing how successful they were and 
you know, um, did you think that Purdue would be in a position like that to be in the playing for the Big Ten title so soon? Uh, you know, I I, I never want to think too highly of anybody, you know, did not jinx them or anything. So, uh, but that was a scenario that I knew they were capable of, you know, just every, nobody expects to actually see it. I knew Brom was capable of it, of course, pulling it together. Um, but I had a few guys still on the team, you know, Payne Durham, he's one of my youngins. Uh, I'm excited for him and what's to come for him in terms of his uh, NFL and, and the combine uh, career coming up here soon. But um, yeah, I'd just say that I'm definitely proud of all those guys for, for doing what they did and sticking to it. Um, and I think a lot of players get a lot of a lot of crap for like you know if they don't play in the in the bowl game, um, the ones that are looking out for their futures, you know, it's not just their futures in some scenarios. It's their their family and friends, you know, that they gotta take care of and provide for. So, um, I I I'm just proud of those guys for sticking it out, and I definitely am close with a few of them. So it makes it a little bit more uh, memorable for me. Well, Bryson, I know, uh, gosh, I can just think of so many, um, you know, awesome memories, uh, you know, and then you playing in a Purdue uniform, but, uh, is there one moment or, you know, thing that happened to you uh, in particular as a player that happened while you were at Purdue that, uh, really just sticks out among the others? Yeah. Y'all actually played one of the clips before. And I know, uh, if you talk to anybody that was on the team, then they'd probably say it too, but that Ohio state game, uh, mm -hmm. 2018 was just a, it was, I don't, it was a miracle. At the same time, we knew we could do it, but it was just everything came together perfectly. Our chemistry, just we played as one. Um, the spirit of Tyler Trent, of course, is always going to go down as, as history in that game as, as a part of our motivation and, and just something being in the air that was helping everything going our way, you know, besides our play. It was just, um, one of the best moments in my athletic career that I'll always remember. I remember my dad storming the field and then my brother following him and actually knocking something like he's sprinting on the field full speed. And I see it from across the field between people. Like, you know, it's like a movie scene and he just decks some dude like, and he did, he couldn't even stop. He just decks him, lays him out. And he's like, sorry. And he keeps running to try and find me. You know? I'm like, oh man. But uh, yeah, it was, the, my family was there for it too. And it was a, it was just a great game and experience all around for everybody. That was the best yeah, game I've ever experienced in person. It was great. Yeah, I, I would, I would have to agree. That was probably the best game I've ever been to in my life, uh, you know, of any sport. And, um, you know, I, I was lucky enough to be able to storm the field and that as well. And, uh, the guy that I ran into, uh, you know, player from Purdue was uh, Antonio Blackman. Yeah. I got the opportunity to tell him that he was, in my opinion, one of the MVPs of that game. Yeah. I mean, he showed up that night. Um, so that was a really cool experience to get to, yeah. to, get to tell him that. And That's awesome. And one thing right? you don't – No, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it's awesome, y'all. I don't meet a lot of people that actually got to be in the stands, you know, that were there and got to see it. So that's crazy that you actually stole the As a guy from Ohio, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> that's awesome. I yeah, can't I, uh, awesome. My wife's, so that was, my wife and I had just started dating around the time uh, of, of that game. And so that was the first game I ever took her to was the Purdue Ohio state game. And so she got to experience, you know, storming the field uh, and everything. And, she was talking about, uh, you know, I was like, I don't know what game to bring you to next because I don't know how it could get any better than what just happened. <laughs> what exactly. just happened tonight? Like, this is, the, 
this is the pinnacle um right now uh it was yeah what an, it was an incredible incredible night you know there was magic in the air um yeah everything was just perfect yeah definitely that will that will i'll answer that every time you know so if anybody ever asks that question again know that that's what i'm coming at them with <laughs> and that's a that's a great answer and you know it's one that you you know you said you'll never forget and mm-hmm. i'm sure another night you'll never forget is you know winning winning this past super bowl and and you know that's you know as far as i'm concerned the pinnacle you know of sports um you know what what was that like for you i i can just imagine that being an extremely surreal feeling um but what, what was that like for you personally to to experience that you know what it 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 was absolutely surreal but i'll be honest it didn't kick in until really that next day, that next morning when I woke up, you know, sore from the game, which I hadn't been doing at all previously in the season, because when you don't play in the games, you don't get sore, you know, that's kind of how it works. So um, I wasn't being used as well. You know, I didn't, maybe I wasn't up to par with my play, but I know that I was developing myself as a player and kind of in the process and all I wanted was opportunity early on in that season. And it kind of forced its way into the situation with injury um and I, I was grateful for the opportunity whatever way it came whether it was forced or or they just you know wanted to test some things out but everything was going smoothly with the offense they were running so they didn't see a reason to switch it up and maybe go a little more 12 but yeah i, I would say that it was unexpected to say the least because of what i had come through early on in the season and what I had battled through just trying to get some playing time. And then next thing you know, it's like, well, you're up and you're out there in the playoffs. And then now you've got two weeks to prepare for a Super Bowl. And even then, you got two weeks to prepare. You know, you haven't played the game yet. You don't know what it's like to actually participate in one, let alone win one. So um, it was surreal, but I'd just say it didn't even hit me until that next morning. I just remember that last drive after we had scored and, and the defense had to hold him out, I'm just sitting there like, this could really happen. Like, what's on the table for me is, like, crazy to think that this is where I would have been going from the start of the season. And then also just even losing it with just, just the opportunity. I was just thanking God the whole time and just asking, you know, just let us pull it out. Let us Let us pull it out. I know we can. I know we got this, but – just let us capitalize. And I just sat there with my hands on my jersey and my pads and just prayed and waited. And even when that the confetti started dropping and the last whistle was blown and uh, AD got the, the fourth down stop, it still didn't feel. I kind of like was looking around like, hey, is that it? Like, can we, I don't know. Like, what's next? You know, still didn't feel real. But, um, yeah, it definitely once I saw my family and people and every, the smiles on their faces it started to set in. So kind of to piggyback off that a little bit, um, what's it like holding the Lombardi trophy? Is it heavy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had grown grown up hearing about it. You know, I never, you might know, I never took after football much early in my life, but I did know a little bit about the history just because my dad playing for so long. Um, And I hear a lot about it, the Lombardi trophy, the Lombardi, you know, I don't even, I don't even know who this guy is, but the trophy you bring up a lot. It's brought up a lot. And, uh, yeah, it just the picture with my mom and my dad is just something that I'll cherish forever. It was it was a surreal moment that I never thought I'd be achieving, let alone in my so early on in my career. 
Um, but yeah, had to have it again, but a kiss, you know. <laughs> when I, uh, so I'm a big, um, I've grown up a big Steelers fan, and I, I remember uh, Mike Tomlin and Troy Polamalu talking about, you know, uh, the, the fact that the, the trophy gets sticky, you know, that it's not it's not clean anymore. You know, by the time it makes its way around the team, how it's kind of dirty, and uh, and so he always talked about passing around the you know sticky Lombardi. But sorry, Dylan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Just oh no, you're so playing the Super Bowl in SoFi at your home field had to be pretty cool. And we all know how cool SoFi Stadium is. Never been there, but it looks like a spaceship, and it looks incredible. But yep. besides SoFi, what's what's an environment or a stadium or even a city that kind of is your favorite or more, most memorable? Uh, what's one that stuck out to you? Yeah, I, I would say one of the stadiums I enjoyed most this year was uh, Tampa Bay. Um just because, honestly, I I'm having. Was that a month? Was that a night game? I believe. It, I don't know. Nobody. Yeah. Know. I believe it was a night game, but I just remember they shut the lights off and everything was red early on the intro, and it was like, man, yeah. like this is hype. Like they got the music playing, all the animation, the lights going everywhere, the cheers, the crowds cheering. It's not minus forty degrees. It was, it was just it was an all around good experience and you know we, we couldn't win the game but um you know you take every game every game with a grain of salt win or loss. And the pirate ship it seems Yeah, really yeah, cool. exactly. And same with the Seahawks. I like the Seahawks. Um yeah. They're little they got that little I don't even know point section over there. It's like a point kind of looks like the and they 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 hire people to toss bread, so they got the Seahawks flying around and stuff. All the the, the seagulls. They really you know, do. Also, Holy cow! No, I, I, never knew that. I just saw I saw it at the game the other week, and I was like, man, they gotta be like those are paid actors. There's no way they just got <laughs> Seahawks out here just flying around. But yeah, yeah. Uh, also Green Bay. It was cold, colder than all get out, but um, they just they just know how to play football up there and. If anybody who's going to come sit in that game is a true fan, just to sit in that weather all the time. So more cheese on their head. They're, they're good. <laughs> and one thing you mentioned, uh, you know, talking about the Super Bowl was, uh, you know, AD getting that that, uh, that stop on fourth down. And you know, he's one of my favorite players. And uh, I was just wondering, you know, you, you came into a team with some really, really elite players. Um did you go through a period of being starstruck? I, I know I couldn't help myself from from doing that. I'm sure, but uh, did you experience anything like that? Yeah. Um, so, me kind of growing up around football and and celebrities and people that get a lot of attention in media, you know, it kind of just was the standard for me. So I've never really had any like besides my dad and like you know people that I'm actually close to. I've never had anybody that I don't know that I actually like look up like look up to in a way that I see I can't do. You know, like I'm trying to say like I see those athletes and I think of myself as as capable of achieving those same strides. Hell yeah. you know, so I, I I respect the hell out of them for their accomplishments and their abilities, but I've never had that starstruck feeling like, oh my gosh, is that him? It's like it's more of like a, oh, what's up? Like, what's good? Like, respect your gameplay. Um, let's get after it type deal. But 
you like know, they came I, off like like regular people, like anybody yeah, exactly. else, like, like other, other teammates. Yeah. Exactly, and and I know that's not you. You know, for people who I love it. see them every day on TV, you know that that's kind of they're they're um, idolized in that sense. And I'm not trying to take away any of their credit. Of course, they're they're hell of a pe- hell of people and hell of an athlete just to be on TV that way. But uh, yeah, I've never actually had that that feeling. I guess I'm not sure, but. Yes, I do recognize the ability and seeing that coming from college, seeing Aaron Donald take two people with two hands and just throw them on the ground and then Stafford's <laughs> throwing no look passes, cups making four or five jabs before his routes, making people fall. The stuff that you see coming into the league, uh, coming from Purdue or uh, college in general is is definitely a level up. So I'll give them credit when credit is due. Yeah, their abilities are are crazy and and I'm surrounded by great people too. That's that's the thing. Uh, y'all see, Aaron Donald will terrify you. Meet them, you know, and be, and be there and see how they are, what their character is like when nobody's around. And you kind of touched on it a little bit coming from from college to to the NFL and and you know it's it's both fields are hundred yards and it's got two goalposts. But and we've <laughs> always heard about the speed of the game and stuff like that, but. How much of the college game translates to the NFL? I'm sure schemes and thought processes do pretty much, but but there seems to be from the outside looking in like a bit a large learning gap. So is that really the case, or or kind of how's that play out? Yeah, so you know, definitely when you first get here, the first thing that you notice is the the size difference, the physicality difference, the speed, um, just the talent, the overall talent level just increases. Um, but then once you start to to learn the scheme of the offense or the defense, you start to realize how detailed everything is. And that's where the mental game comes in. You're like, okay, well, now i got to take a step up in my physical, in my workouts, uh, and in my mental, in my meetings, in my note-taking. You know, i got to watch film after this. This is my job now. I can't walk around here just on scholarship, um, just hanging out, taking advantage of, of uh, just going to free school. This is how, like, how I put food on the table. And of course, you know, um, we get paid to do this, you know, well, it's more than enough to put food on the table, but it's a sacrifice of our bodies and our minds that we make. And, and it is a strenuous process. Um, just putting in the work to go out there and, and succeed on Sunday or whenever we play. Well, another thing you, uh, you touched on that I'd like to talk a little bit more uh, about is, uh, you know, uh, you looking up to a lot of people that you knew personally and you know, growing up in a football family. Uh, what was that like, you know, grow, growing up with a father who played in, you know, the NFL for, um, I believe, a, a good portion of your childhood, if, that, if that's correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I was born in 97. He played from 93 to 96. So, you know, I, I at least got eight or nine of his seasons in there. And uh, I, I was just like I said in meeting people who have received a lot of attention and notoriety, for their capabilities, I've, um, it's kind of the standard, you know, it was just grow. I grew up going to the games on Sundays and then going into the locker rooms after the game with the team and just chilling in there until he was ready. You know, everyone thought that was so cool, but that was just part of the, part of the process. Smell bad after the game smells like sweat, grass and ASS. And then, <laughs> dude, and then you get a hug from him and that's all normal. You know, Saturday night, stay at grandma's house, get get breakfast in the morning uh, before the game. 
it's just uh, there's special privileges that I didn't realize until I got older that you know wasn't part of a normal childhood's upbringing. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm saying, you know normal child that's I mean, of a normal or more average childhood I should say. Um, but it, it has its ups and downs. You know everybody's always got their eyes on you, and you, you're born with a standard and expectation. I didn't start playing football till till I got my junior year of college or not college junior year of high school so you know for me to defy that that standard for so long i got you know a few ugly looks here and now just for not even trying it but it worked out in the end so you know look at me now you know i'll talk to him all day about that yeah absolutely and uh not to to change the subject too much or anything but um, you know, you're from Nashville, uh, great place to go, uh, fun place to hang out on the weekends. Um, so I'm a, obviously I'm a, I'm not from Nashville, so I'm kind of more of a tourist when it comes to going to Nashville and everything, you know, I hang out on Broadway, go yeah. to all the places, go to printer's alley, hang out at yeah. Miss Kelly's, shout out Miss Kelly's, the karaoke Ms. bar. Kelly's, what you know about that? Oh, I know everything about that, man. I love Miss Kelly's. Um, but yeah, man. So what's like, I know that, you know, there's always that stigma of tourists coming to come to a town and not knowing where the spots are. So where, where are like the spots to go when you're in Nashville? Yeah. Yeah. So has, have you guys been to Nashville? Other gang been to Nashville? Yeah. Yep. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was, Oh, Scott, that doesn't thing. count then. You were not. <laughs> I was at the I Tennessee. I mean, I, I, I saw Nashville the day, in the days before, you know. But, yeah, the yeah. Tennessee one, we, yeah, it's cool. You were in a good time. The Auburn one, I wasn't even there, all right? Nobody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the that, film. I don't think the game even happened. That. Yeah, that was terrible. I don't know what happened about that. but I don't remember uh, that. Man. Yeah, yeah, nobody did. We won't talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would say, so if you're going out on Broadway, some of my favorite bars are definitely Whiskey Row, uh, Jason Aldean's, and Luke Bryan's, which is basically like the same Aldean's. bar. But Aldean's a, is amazing. Yeah, it's like a four-story, like huge, just maze. The like they got everything. Yeah, the rooftop. They got live. Just music. don't go during the day in July because it's oh hot. my god. <laughs> well, you can't go anywhere down there in the day during July. Like I, I gotta bring two shirts just so I can change because I have sweat stains everywhere else on me. You know. Um, but yeah, I'd say also, um, Midtown, which people don't know about, uh, unless you really visit, um, and leave Broadway, but winners, losers, dogwood, um, and then Kung Fu. And then, you know, if, if you stay an extra couple of days, I would go down to the East side, East Nashville, check out some of the, um, I call them hippie bars over there, you know, but they're, uh, they're really cool. Like they're they're really cool people out there. Really cool bars, little arcade bars, just fun things to do all around the city. And there's a new thing to do there every day. I swear it's blowing up that much. You can find something to do. Yeah, I love going to Nashville. And it, funny story, uh, my grandparents actually got married, and uh, of all places, they had their honeymoon in Nashville. And they went to uh, they went to Tootsie's um, when they got married. Tootsie's, yeah, and they were. They listened to this guy, this no name at the time, who was playing some no name uh, guy named Alan Jackson was uh, oh, yeah. trying to make his, put his name out there. That on, is crazy. On Broadway. Yeah, I actually used to live uh, right next to him. He used to have a little house back in my old neighborhood in Nashville called Hidden River. It was on a lake, and we'd take our four wheelers oh, back there. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, I was just saying, wow, like that's cool. Oh, uh, I thought you said hold on. No, my fault, my fault. <laughs> um, but yeah, I used to live next to. I met him uh, once or twice. So yeah, that's crazy though. That that's you, and that's Nashville. You meet people like that all the time. You never know. I you know he wasn't. Might not have been that big back then, but you could be walking down the street and everybody looks like Luke Bryan. You know, he that might actually be him. That might actually be him. You know, you don't know. <laughs> right. So, um, kind of going back to Purdue a little bit. Um, you know, Coach Brom went back home. He's at Louisville now. And uh, uh, so we got Coach Walters in the building. And, and not only is Coach Walters in the building, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of change coming to Ross Aid. There's the, uh, all the renovations and everything like that. Have you gotten to check any of that out or uh, kind of keep up on that at all? I actually haven't. I haven't had a chance to see that. What uh, Fill me in on that. What, what yeah, man. So they're, uh, they're going to put a tunnel uh, on the like a corner of the north end zone. They're putting in a tunnel uh, for the team to run out through. Uh, Finally. Not an air blown up one. Yeah. And they're actually kind of, uh, it's not going to be like an, like uh, officially a bowl, but they're going to, they're redoing the south end zone and they're going to like kind of close it in. Um, and I think you guys uh, would know maybe better than I do, but I think like the band and the student section are going to be in that area. Um, oh, that'd be nice. That make it that'd be way better for like spirit of the game just to have it in the end zone. That's yeah. how the, the the big schools do it. I like it like that. Yeah, and I think uh, I think it's going to add what like five or six thousand more seats to the stadium, something like that. I think that. it'll be up to like sixty three or sixty five thousand. Yeah, now we're talking. It's crazy to think that college stadiums have like a hundred. Like Penn State, whatever theirs is, that is yeah. crazy. But yeah, that's awesome. That is, I mean, long overdue. But I was, I wasn't talking because we got the facility, the uh, the new Molik or not Molikoff. What I'm blanking. What did we uh, like name the cruiser, frozen or something. yeah, I, I don't, yeah, the facility for me, the new building, the new. That's yeah. what it was. But I upgraded from wooden lockers and you know crappy everything else to just crazy even better than what i have now so i'm thankful for that dang yeah so kind of touching back in west lafayette um one of the other guys who's normally on the pod but he's got a scheduling conflict um had this question he said you know purdue's well known for cradle quarterbacks and the defensive ends um as we saw when drafting building our offense a few episodes back we have a lot of talent at the tight end room um is there a certain or is there a similar fraternity among those positions? And if you kind of talk to guys like Tim Stratton or Dustin Keller or other, some of those um, early two thousands and late nineties, big 10 or uh, big size tight ends that were in the Tiller era. Yeah. Um, you know, we, of course their film was, it was a little old by the time I had gotten there, but not Dustin Keller necessarily, but definitely Tim Stratton. Um, but we did uh, like, look at them just to see how they played and how they succeeded. Um, I would definitely credit it more to the coach, of course. You know, it's the offensive scheme. I wouldn't say Purdue necessarily has, like, a, a rich history of, of using tight ends. I'd just say it's more of the they got some good players and, and good, good coaches know how to recruit, and they saw the right type of athleticism in people. Uh, just like Brom has a history of, you know, like early on when I was coming out, uh, in college, I visited WKU and actually toured with Higby. Um, so he was he was jo uh, Brom's product, and I got to see how he operates. And then I go to school. Brom comes to my school, runs basically the exact same offense, and 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 utilizes me in almost the exact same way. And then now he's got we've got Payne Durham, 
coming out this year down the line. You know, it's 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 uh it's more of the offense and a and a and a um systemic thing more than uh just like the history of the school I'd say. But definitely we do have some names that might not even get enough attention than what they deserve in the past, just because, you know, we're not uh, Ohio State or Alabama. Yeah, and I, you know, honestly, there's a lot of uh, good names out there. And one thing I loved about uh, Purdue, especially around the time that you were there, is that uh, we had a kind of a, a two-headed sword there with um, with you uh, as the tight end. And then you also had Cole Herdman uh, as well, who, yes. who, was, who was pretty good, uh, yes. pretty darn good as well. And it was cool because – you know, man, it was it was either one of you guys were going to get that ball, or it was going to be Rondale, or and you just you never knew. Uh, and yeah. I think that made the Purdue offense so dynamic because that you guys just had so many weapons on that team. Yeah, I I definitely that was one of the times that I've had more fun playing football was just playing with Cole and just the way that Brom utilizes two tight ends and and the twelve set is perfect for just people looking to participate make plays willing to block uh but also you know get some get some pass catches and, and get some yards and tuds in the book um but yeah cole he that's one of my best friends till the day i die he'll tell you so that's awesome that's awesome that you uh you remember the 88 89 combo oh. the dynamic duo absolutely yeah. you guys were like uh i'm a i'm a big wrestling fan so you guys were like the road warriors out there <laughs> tearing it up man i'll tell him you said that that's funny yeah, no, I uh, love both, watching both of you guys out there. It was awesome to see. And um, so just to uh, uh, just a couple more questions here, and then we'll wrap up because I know you've got a busy schedule and yeah, everything. You're good, you're good. Um, but just, uh, you know, uh, we've talked a little bit about your time in the NFL and everything and, you know, the players that you've gotten to play with, winning the Super Bowl. But to get to the NFL, you got to get drafted first. And so, you know, tell us what that was like, man, getting that phone call, going through the whole draft process, um, you know, Give us some insight on that. I'd love to know. You know, it was a little bit later than I thought. That's what I'll start out with. But at the same time, I wasn't. I didn't have that mentality. You know, I was just looking for an opportunity. So whoever saw something in me uh, that they could work with, I was going to roll with it. I was going to give them everything I had. So just to get that call from uh, the, the Rams, and it, it was uh, less uh, initially on the phone, and uh, to get to talk to them and, and Sean, um, it was something that, of course, I'll never forget. And just having my – it was the uh, COVID draft, if you didn't know. So I, everybody was at home. We had the whole gang at the crib. Uh, we were we were all there just waiting. Um, and when my name got called, you know, people were like, L.A. Like, they're thinking in their head, like, I'm going all the way over to the, other, the opposite side of the country. My brother's crying. My dad's crying. My mom's crying. I'm trying not to cry over there. I'm like, all right, guys, come on, come on, let's pull it together here. Um, but yeah, it was it was something that I I just remember being filled with so much excitement and and um, not necessarily anxiety, but just uncertainty for the future, which makes it exciting, you know. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, we're all we were all stoked, you know, the night that you got drafted. Uh, definitely well deserved and um awesome to see your how your nfl career has started and it's kind of continued to progress um leading up to this episode you know we were I, i've been talking to friends i'm sure you guys have all been talking to some friends as well uh just about oh we you know we get to talk to bryce on this episode we're, we're excited about it um and i'm not gonna lie uh one thing that i was hearing consistently is like oh man bryson hopkins like that's no joke that guy is uh you know uh developing pretty well so 
Uh, I appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. You know, we don't. I don't get on Twitter and log in and look at all that feedback and stuff. So I appreciate hearing. Good that. for you. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, good Honestly. for me, right? Thousand but, uh, I just have one more question though. But before I, I, I kind of round us out here and and finish up, does anybody else have a, a final question for, for for Bryson? I I have a, a very quick. I have a I, I have a very very quick question. We're good. Yeah, um, whatever you want. You know, you talked you, you, you talked about talking with uh with, with Sean. You know, finding out you're getting drafted. Um, again, you know, he's one of my favorite coaches, and you, you see those videos of him and being able to recall specific plays from like two or three seasons prior. Is yeah. he really that smart, or is that just for show? He's even smarter. It's 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 ridiculous. He's even smarter than what you see on TV. Like sometimes he has to slow. Like, I get a POV of him up there at the front of the room coaching us, and I can see, hit like, the reaction off his face because he's going into so much detail that it doesn't make sense to some people that their faces are, like, looking kind of weird. So he's up there like, okay, <laughs> let me slow it down for you a little bit and break it down like this just because he knows that not everybody has that ability, you know. It doesn't click for everybody the way that it does for him. Um, but it is definitely amazing to see the, the the way that he's able to take everything off the whiteboard and just apply it immediately onto the field or just switch people and still know every little intricate detail of the system. Um, and, and also just to be in that pressure in the moment and call plays like that out of the playbook that we have, which I can uh, tell you is very large and, uh, <laughs> yeah, hard to get down within at least one year but um yeah it is that he is everything and more in that aspect and, and he's a great coach and, and i'll give it to him that uh, he deserves all that credit when it terms to how smart he is to, in this game awesome dylan did you say you had a, a final question oh so like uh you know you play for the rams who in my opinion have one of the best uniform sets in the league but while at <laughs> purdue uh what was your favorite uniform set i know they broke out uh, a lot of different looks during the first couple of years of the bra yeah they did the and i was surprised yeah man these yeah, jerseys the, i got the one chrome, luckily, you reminded me yeah what was that first the first game was uh it was green they, the team was green Who was it? 2018 yeah. second game of the season we wore chrome played was it ohio ohio, ohio that's yeah. who it was yeah, we yeah, played ohio and we wore the chrome. It was like a Thursday night game or something like that. Mm -hmm. I remember that. That was I had never worn anything like that. That was sick. I would see. I would say either we wore the chrome for like another game after that, which was a better fit than just all the uh, the full black. But that was great. I would say the Maryland all whites in 2019. Ooh. Oh yeah, the the like, NASA uniform. Yeah, the NASA the astronaut theme. With, oh yeah, that was that was. That was sick. We had like moon prints on our helmet and stuff, and yeah, the, gold the white face mask. Awesome. Yeah, the gold face mask. That's what. It, yeah, I thought that was sick. So that was probably my favorite. What's That's your awesome, favorite man. Rams uh, combo? Oh, I never got, dude. So I don't know if it's my favorite because I never got to play in it. But they stopped playing in the all yellows in 2019. I wanted oh, to play yeah. in the all yellow so bad. But some people might not like that, but I. Right now, what we have, I'd say, is the all blue. I like the all blue. Yeah, those really yellows cool. were aggressive. 
Yeah, exactly. But you know, I've never worn anything like that, and I got some stuff like that in my closet. You know, I got, I like to break out some crazy. That was stuff the that time. was like the hazel air and neon green. Like, was, <laughs> oh, dude. there was a lot going on. I oh, hated man. that. I, rem- yeah. I remember <laughs> too. That. I hated that. I I will never forget that. That and we <laughs> lost the game too. To like I, we weren't supposed to lose. I I remember the game. Oh God, man. Well, uh, just the last uh, question here, just to wrap up. And, and again, Bryson, thank you for your time and hopping on here tonight. But yeah, of course. Um, so if you could give anybody out there an elevator speech, uh, any recruit, anybody that's in the transfer portal, because the transfer portal is definitely a different breed than it was when you were in college. Um, now, honestly, in just the last couple of years, it's totally changed, especially with all this NIL stuff and everything. But if you could give anybody like a quick elevator speech on why they should come to Purdue, you know, what would that be? You know, I would say an idea is nothing until it's put into action. Literally nothing. That's what I would say. I would say that you don't have the time that you think you have to develop without putting in all of your might into your passion. You know, if it's if it's something that you haven't found the passion to love for yet, you know, I, I urge you to keep trying because it's something that I've fought through and it is a beautiful process, Um, but there is no beautiful result without the beautiful process. So uh, the ups and downs are going to come, but I would say just start now, like take advantage of every opportunity you have now to be a better player, be a better person, be a better brother, be a better son, whatever it takes. You know, you're going to find yourself carving a path for you that just makes it easier for the, the days that come ahead. It's just, it's crazy to think that I just thought back in college, like, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to come into the system immediately. I'm going to, I'm going to be a pro, you know, I wasn't saying I'm going to be a pro bowler, but you know, some people like to come in to, to think that it's going to be handed to them, which I wasn't think that I know I wasn't thinking that I just knew that I had to put in the work. Um, but at the same time, you know, you just think, Oh, maybe I can take a break here and there you have no idea how much it's going to set you up for success. If you just push a little harder, just push through the pain now so you can just succeed in the days later. It it, it will just make everything so much easier for you. So yeah, I would just say, um, put everything into action, all your ideas that you have, just manifest them and just be a better player person all around. And and the, the process starts now. You don't have time. Absolutely, man. Got me trying to run through a brick wall middle of, <laughs> middle of the episode. Yeah, I love <laughs> it. No, but uh, but yeah, um, awesome. Well, Bryson, we thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, what a uh, great time to get to know you. Um, have other people get to know you more. Hear about your experiences uh, at Purdue, uh, the NFL, and, and all the above. Uh, just uh, an overall good dude. So uh, we we were happy to have you on, man. Thanks for being on. I appreciate you guys for reaching out and having me on. It was awesome. Y'all are the best, brother. All right, man. Take care. All Have a good man. one. Have a safe yeah. offseason. Yes, sir. You. Thank you. Yeah, it's really interesting to hear him, you know, hear him say that about, about you know, falling in love with the process. And mm-hmm. um, it immediately made me think of what, um, you know, Coach Walters had said, what he looks for in his recruits is, do you love the game? Yeah. Um, and he said, you know, a lot of people, they love what comes with the game. They love, you know, the the fanfare and the and, and the notoriety, but but that what he looks for in his recruits is do they actually love the game? Because you're not you you can never be truly great 
unless you have that love. And that is interesting to hear, yeah. you know, from a guy right. who's Go ahead, achieved sorry. at the highest level, you know, a guy yeah. who's achieved at the highest level to, to, you know, hear a very similar way of thinking is, uh, I've always said this, I think coach, Oh, sorry. I think coach Walters kind of probably would agree with the sentiment sentiment. And I kind of have the same, uh, same thing about with my job. Like a lot of guys want the title of X, Y, or Z, but they don't want to put the work in to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, man. What a guy, uh, mm -hmm. dude, uh, just everything that he said, just, uh, you know, um, <clears throat> not to kiss ass or anything, but just everything he said and, and just his, the way he talked about, you know, his time at Purdue and, and what it takes to, to be great and successful, man, you, he's just a, he's just a Purdue guy, yep. um, you know, through and through, he's what we all love about Purdue and everything. So yep. super cool. Um, Thanks right. again for Bryson coming on. That was yeah, that was awesome. And that's, uh, you know, two for two players from that era. Uh, I believe who have said that that moon uniform was their favorite too. Yeah which is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that thing was beautiful. That was art. Gorgeous. Yeah. It, oddly, every time I think about the uniform, I think about Milton Wright every single time. Every time I think about that uniform, I think about Corey Trice's pick six. Yeah. <laughs> I wish Don't I thought like that. I, every time it. I think about it, I just think about how annoying UCF is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dude, there was a guy on uh, a Facebook group, like Purdue Collectors Facebook group, and he has three of those mini helmets of the moon helmets. And he's selling it for 75 Yeah, dude. He's like, hey, 200 bucks and it's yours. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's worth it because they don't make them. I haven't seen them online since, you know, the original release. But, man. I'll just uh, print my own. Thank you, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just make one. Yeah. yeah. Good for that guy. Good for him. Well, yeah. I, think, uh, I think it's time to probably touch on a little bit of basketball before we end this episode. We do have a good. basketball team. That is true. Yeah. And they're pretty good. Yeah. Um, real quick, before we get too much into it. So I know everybody was talking about that six game stretch, um, which started with Rutgers. Have we finished that game, that stretch? Or was that, was Michigan State the culmination of that? <laughs> Did we go five and one instead of, uh, a lot, I know a lot of people were saying like four and two, three and three. Uh, so, I mean, we had Rutgers, Ohio <laughs> State, Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan State. Okay, and so then we was doing it, and then we play at Minnesota. So cool. nice. So four and, and one. Ohio so State far. Sunday. Yeah, so four and one so far in that six um, game skid. That's Mar pretty Maryland good. Maryland Sunday. Oh, is it Maryland? I thought it was Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, Maryland. Wow, yeah. red team, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a. Uh, I don't even know where to where to start. You know, when it comes to basketball, I mean, we we played a lot of games. Uh, uh, Penn State. I mean, gosh, what a game. Uh, that, that was just basketball chess from, yeah. from you know, buzzer to buzzer in that one. Mm -hmm. um, I and, will uh, say I mean, I just say hat, hats off to Jalen Pickett. That guy is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and, and the future of Penn State is very bright yeah. under Micah Shrewsbury. They're in a battle right now with Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's only up three with like under four to go. And they haven't won in Wisconsin since 95. But anyway, um, I think that we saw a, a switch flip, I feel like, after Rutgers. Kind of like Painter always says, you learn more from a loss than a win, right? And I think that we've seen a good, a good change in this team with a little bit being a little bit more sound in certain areas. Sure, we have our hiccups. I'm not saying that we've been perfect. 
but things definitely seem to have changed a lot and i think the guys kind of woke up a little bit yeah and it yeah. seems like i mean it, it you know previous seasons um <laughs> it may take a few games skid to really snap out of it and or maybe not even snap out of it whereas it literally took losing by one point to rutgers for especially braden smith he's been playing like pissed off the last yeah. you know five games and it's him been and lawyer both awesome to watch yeah lawyer too yeah my god these guys are freshmen it's just like i could just keep saying that over and over uh, again because it's insane insane to Big me 10 is going to hate those two over the next four years well and i i don't i don't necessarily i mean it yes losing to Rutgers definitely was kind of a wake-up call uh but i think it was how we lost to Rutgers too i mean just yeah. uh i I know I said it on here before. I felt like we didn't value every possession to the extent that we needed to. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, there were just so many tiny little mistakes, silly turnover, unforced turnovers. Yeah, Rutgers turns a lot of teams over, but a lot of the turnovers we committed in that game weren't because of Rutgers. They were just, you know, carelessness. You know, I'd we say had a third of them were probably unforced, self-induced, and and, yeah. and and so we, you know, we get we get one of those possessions back, we maybe win that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and what, what's crazy is we were in position to win that game. And, you know, um, you know, Cam Spencer is just, and he's didn't just do it to us too. He's, he's unreal. He's a monster. Um, but I think that that showed that, Hey, we were just one silly mistake, one careless one, you know, one bad shot, uh, you know, miss layup, uh, you know, not boxing out away from winning that game, you know, and that's what it's going to take <laughs> to really win a championship. And that got that awesome video that, um, I think it was pretty creative made, you know, where painter says we're not champions yet. You know, we have to, we have to show that we're champions and you can never say like, Oh, we're good. This, this, you know, we can look at someone's record and say, this is an easy game. Um, I think that that, that Rutgers game really did a good job of, um, you know, instilling that, uh, you know, one interesting thing, kind of a marker that I'm, I'm paying attention to that happened in that Rutgers game is that was the last time um, Trey Kaufman ran had played double digit minutes. Uh, since then, he played seven minutes at Ohio State, five at Penn State, seven against Nebraska, and only three at uh, Michigan State. And listening to the Painter show tonight, you know, Painter described him as being in a bit of a rut right now, um, uh, which you you know you definitely hate to see. But um, I know he's been in foul trouble the last couple of games. But I think when you play behind, you know, someone like Zach Eady, it's just going to be hard to get minutes and hard to get in rhythm. Hard to get in rhythm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing Painter said about Newman. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I think that I think the important part that we've seen in the last two, we've had two games since that Rutgers game that were one possession. I think um, that we ended up coming out on top. And I think it's because we executed better. You know, you look at the Ohio State and the Michigan State game. Um, if that pass against Michigan State from Lawyer to Edie is off by a little bit, that whole play's blown out of the water. If that right. that pass from Lawyer to Edie where Lawyer hits the three against Ohio State is off or Edie doesn't recognize the the tag that he does, that or some of the guys on the backside, you know, Gillis moving around and stuff like that, I think that that is kind of blown out of the water. So I think that's where I kind of really see how we've kind of kind of clicked a little bit since then. On the uh, the, the bravado a Fletcher lawyer, you know, in these last couple of games. I mean, he, I, I mean, a, a against, you know, Ohio state. I mean, that, 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 that was an insane shot. I mean, like, you know, you obviously don't want to drop two in a row. 
you know, the game hasn't been great. And then just to sink that shot, the dagger, you know, that basically wins the game. And then to go out and score 27, you know, against against Nebraska at home. And then, you know, yesterday against Michigan State, he kind of took over in that second half. And in the, in, the, in the middle of the second half, I mean, he was taking shots. I mean, he just – he has no fear, and he has no memory, too. You know, he Painter's, could be 0 from 6, and he's still coming out shooting. Painter said it in his presser after the game. He scored 11 of his 17 points in the last five and a half minutes. I just don't know how many games it's going to take for Fletcher Lawyer to realize that these players have families, damn it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he's just out here just reckless, just just ruining people's reckless livelihoods. Again. Just – <laughs> when they, you know, speaking of his 27 point performance, I mean, that that game against Nebraska could not have gone more polar opposite of the previous game against Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Fletch was six for 12 from three in that game, 50%. You know, the first game against Nebraska was kind of the first game of our, hopefully, you know, hopefully it's behind us, but our, our you know, streak where we couldn't shoot the ball. Uh, and, um, you know, we, uh, Nebraska doubled Edie and dared us to shoot threes, and it, it almost worked. Uh, you know, we're, you know, Painter said it several times that that's going to be a game we look back and say, man, we were really fortunate to win that one. Um, you know, we, we got a questionable call that went our way at the end there that gave us the ball. You know, we've, we've pulled out some, some miracles at the end of games. You know, Ethan Morton getting that steal against Ohio State. Yeah, um, so you know, uh, the ED just, you know, getting fouled by Maddie Sissoko. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation. And then just drop uh. steps. And, you know, lays it in at the end. I mean, and, you know, then to play defense like we had to do, which, you know, to me it looked like it should have been about 0.8 seconds and not 1.8, but I'm not going to, you know, <laughs> neither here nor there. But, you know, the big thing about the Nebraska game uh, with, with with Fletcher um, that kind of was under the radar is, uh, you know, the, the 10 points from Gillis in that game. Uh, he was really solid. Yeah. He's been shooting the ball well. Um you know, in, in only 19 minutes too. I mean, first has been playing really well, so there's kind of a logjam at that position. But it's just nice to see him. That three first hit yesterday was clutch in the closing minutes. They had just went up four off of a three by Walker, and then he hits that dagger in the corner to bring it back in. Because honestly, that could have been a real tide changer um, if if he doesn't hit that three. So yeah, fast forwarding to Michigan State, yeah, you, you're absolutely right. That that is the game changing moment because Michigan State had just gone up for the, the crowds into it. All the momentum is with them, and and you know it, they run that uh, horns twist into a pick and roll, and he just clears out to the corner, and Braden no look passes right to him, and he just drains that three. I mean, and just you could feel the air being let out of that stadium at that point. Wait, I mean, Braden we missed that no shot. Pass? I'm so suppressed. Yeah, yeah, I've I've watched that play several times uh, to, to fully understand it. But yeah, he he acted like he was going to drive and then just no look out to his right. Um, but I mean, it, it didn't matter. He he was uh, you know a lawyer was setting a screen for him to to get open, kind of an exit screen. But um, yeah, I mean that you know that shot doesn't go in. Michigan State pulls in that rebound. The the intensity gets ratcheted up, and now you're looking at six or seven points. And yeah, the outcome of that game could be totally different. Um, so that's that that is the the turning point moment in that game for me. But uh, while we're talking about that game, let's talk about the, um, the foul. So I think that the foul on Sissoko was justified. It was just called at the wrong moment in time because when that ref calls the foul, he calls it when there's that hook and hold going on. So the entire crowd and everybody at home is 
screaming BS because they think it's for the hook and hold or it should be for the hook and hold. What happens a split second before that is that Sissoko impedes Edie's ability to land back on the ground with the rebound, which is that initial foul. He like gets in front of him, kind of blocks his, his feet or his landing area, which that's, I think that's the foul that he's calling, but he just calls it so late. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my opinion. I I agree with that. Um, and and yeah, there, there there was a blatant foul. Edie went as vertical as a human being can go, grabbed the ball with two hands. Sissoko gets his hand in between, you know, starts to pull out. I just don't understand how you can commit a flagrant foul by grabbing a ball, pulling it down, and then rotating your body. Like I just don't understand how that could that could warrant a flagrant foul because that is in every sense of the phrase, a basketball move. Yeah. Now I, I do think that, you know, they got tangled up and he ended up throwing Sissoko to the ground completely unintentionally. Um, but their foul occurred before that. And it should have never been, that should have never been allowed to happen because the foul occurred before that. But um, you know, all uh, I've never seen a fan base complain about officiating so much. Uh, after a game, I'm sure we have a time or two. <laughs> the, the Michigan State fan base is, you know, I, I've seen video breakdowns. There was an article written about that that call saying that the Big Ten needs to change how they officiate Zach Eady, which I I couldn't agree more. I you know he's 15th in the country in fouls you know drawn per 40 minutes, and you know in my opinion he should be you know top three. So I would love to see that happen as well, but. Uh, there is, you know, he was getting fouled by Sissoko that entire final possession. Caleb first was mobbed under the basket. So, I mean, there's that video surfacing of like the guy just shoving Brandon Newman from yeah. behind, just like tackling them straight football I, style. I even like, made the comment, I think, at the beginning of that game yesterday in our group chat that said, like, first was getting tackled on every offensive rebound attempt. There was a lot of them. And also, Izzo just casually running to the middle of the of the court and uh, chewing the refs out and, and not getting anything, just uh, nothing. nothing. Just a mad little elf. They're like, it's like, it's like they're like working at a, at, like these refs working in a nursing home and they just know like, oh, that's just Izzo. He'll <laughs> be fine. Just we'll Dude, he, I'm going to say this. He is Fran McCaffrey, but doesn't get teed up. I think he's worse than Fran McCaffrey. Uh, Izzo's a great coach. Um, He just, I mean, he sounded like an angsty teenager in his press conference. He he said, I'm not going to complain about the referees and then proceeds to complain about the referees for like 15 (laughs) minutes straight. Like, yeah, I I mean, and I don't know. I've, I love Matt Painter. I've never heard Painter after a game, complain about referees. Like, I've never heard him, like, act as if the referees cost him a game. Heard Danny Manning do it. I've heard Izzo do it more than once. I just can't can, – do you all remember a time where Painter's, like, you know, got in a press conference and complained about a call? No, not during a press conference. Uh, you you definitely see him, like, during the game. It, it's funny because he looks at the ref and he's just like, you know that was a foul, right? Like, you can read his lips. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I want to say earlier in the season there was something. I want to say the Nebraska game. I thought he said something. And it wasn't, like, outright, like, busting on the refs like we've seen with other coaches. But there was just, like, it was more of a bust on the refs if you read between the lines. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't recall. I mean, I, I'm not I'm – not- disputing that but i'm i, I uh... have to go find it 
I think that um, Painter is – I think we're seeing Painter evolve into his final form <laughs> as a coach. I think last year and this year he's completely changing. Like, his press conferences are hilarious. And, and maybe he's not completely changing anything. Maybe he's just being himself. But, like, I feel like he's just more, like, locked in. Like, he – not locked in. What's the right word here? I, I feel like he's, like – 10 steps ahead of what everybody's talking about and thinking and doing. I feel like he's already, you know, he's already like at tomorrow during today. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense, I think he's just on another level right now. He's, uh, he, he's thinking five or six moves ahead when he's playing chess. Yeah. 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 He plays chess when everybody plays checkers. I, I agree completely. I, I, it's like he's uh, he's transcended his you know previous form, right? He's he's uh, uh, he he is he is on another level right now with his coaching, and uh, I love the extent to which he just doesn't seem to to care anymore. Like yeah. like like he cares about what he does. He doesn't care about who he upsets or or you know what he says or you know like he's you know like that that quote that i saw the other day it's like you need to get over yourself is what he tells yeah. his players you know you got to be able to get over yourself and correct uh, me if i'm oh sorry i thought you're done no no go ahead correct me if i'm wrong but it does it seem like painter's been more confident in the last yeah. couple oh, seasons absolutely. like that's what that's what i've noticed like like when he makes a decision one he sticks with it and two he is willing to to take the brunt if it doesn't work like he's he's like I've done this long enough, I know what I'm doing. Like he's not second guessing himself. He's not. He doesn't listen to the noise, and he just seems more. I don't want to say stubborn. That's not the more bulldogish when it comes to his decision. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. When he's uh, you know, he he's talked about last year's team, and he said, you know, if I tell you to do something and you go out and do it and it doesn't work, like that's on me. But if I tell you to do something and you go out and you do something completely different, like I can't, it's hard for me to take responsibility for that. But like he said, like, I, I am going to put you in the best possible position to succeed. And, and the, the, the like air of confidence he had about him when he was making those, you know, those statements was uh, very apparent. And, and even, you know, in the press conference after the Michigan state game, when, when I don't want to say the reporter was necessarily, making a negative comment about this though switching one through five more so just confirming that's what he was trying to do um and i mean it, but uh by switching one through five we were able to take away michigan state's primary action on offense you know and made them beat us in a completely different way i mean and yeah it doesn't look great when you have you know what did tyson walk 30 points you know from yeah. tyson walker he but we made them do it in a way they're not used to doing it you know that, yeah. that's that's the thing is we completely we were we were icing their ball screens, not allowing them to um, to snake and, and use their side pick and rolls, and um, you know, and, and and in fact, we actually made them go away from it completely. According to him in the press conference, they wanted to start trapping those side ball screens, and they just stopped doing it altogether. So, yes, you know, when when you have a guy like Hauser trying to post up on Braden Smith, or you know, um, Edie trying to guard Tyson Walker, which I feel like he did a decent job of on the perimeter. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to look a little weird, especially when the shot goes in. But, I mean, man, the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah, and shout out to Tyson Walker. I mean, my God, he yeah. had a, he was insane, the, especially the last. I, I was only able to catch about the last seven minutes of that game. Um, and he so you're was there just, for an hour with the way the last 49 <laughs> seconds went? Yeah. 
and he just was unstoppable um was just insane was hitting every shot was creating his own shots um and also uh you know shout out to the izone as well uh that was a pretty raucous environment for a monday at 2 30 in the afternoon yeah um that's probably one of that's probably been the best environment road environment they've played in so i'm I, there's I a think lot of unexcused been, absences that day i think there was a lot <laughs> of uh that was even better than the penn state game which was an away game yeah um yeah. so yeah, yeah. Ooh. For anyone who doesn't know, that was officially classified by the yes. NCAA as a road game, uh, which which could be huge uh, for seeding purposes. Because that's March, another quad that one now, win at that point. Another right? quad one win, where it would have been a quad two win. Yeah, and that's uh, that, that's I'm I'm glad that someone thought about that because I I I, I was talking about it weeks ago. I'm like, hey, yeah. Penn State's a good team. Like we need to. Yeah. That I mean, Penn State controlled all the state of Pennsylvania. Penn State controlled all the tickets that game. They dealt with all the logistics of it. Like they did everything. It would be like us having a a neutral site game at GameBridge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Having a neutral site game, forty-five minutes. uh, What was the actual reason for them to have the game there instead of at the? Um, Yeah. So uh, Shrewsbury is wanting to you know get a lot of exposure for the Penn State basketball team because. Penn State basketball isn't nearly as popular as Penn State football. So he, he, really? he wants to play at different venues around Pennsylvania um, just to kind of get exposure. So this was kind of step number one was to play in Philadelphia. I like um, that. So I think he he's plans on doing that, uh, you know, again next year and maybe even the year after. True's doing uh, a great job out there. Idea. He is, man. He, he really he is. Like, I, I can never not root for him. I feel him. like he's he, a couple years away from just having an absolutely locked down team. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with he's that. He's doing completely. all the painter staples too, three point shooting, tough defense. Like he's just he's doing really well. Yeah, he just doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a seven footer uh, who who is just tall and not skilled yeah, whatsoever. Not skilled yeah. hasn't improved his game even a little. Yeah, I take personal offense to when people say that. It just drives me crazy. If I were seven foot four, I'd average forty points per game. Like, okay, yeah. man. It's just yeah. such a lazy argument. Did you yeah. see somebody post made a post about that today where they have players? I think one was at Stony Brook, one was at Oral Roberts, yeah. another guy was at WKU and then Florida State. And on, yeah, I mean the Oral Roberts. Sharp. Yeah. The Oral Roberts guy. I mean, to be fair, he's a, he's averaging like thirteen and seven. You know, not bad. But uh uh but yeah, no, that <laughs> the argument just makes no sense at all. Well, it's like Edie said on the journey. It's like saying LeBron's only good because he's athletic. I'm like, well, that's, that's actually a really good point. I mean, not a whole lot of difference between the two um, to to make those two comparisons. So, um, no, I mean, any, any, and honestly, in my opinion, when I hear someone say that, that's just them exhibiting their ignorance of basketball in general. Yeah, that's um, the guy who catches a game once a week or once every couple weeks who right to, catches the big say, games and not the other ones. Yeah. And, and, and it really becomes apparent if you go back and watch his very first game. Um, it, I mean, it, it was during the COVID year. I want to feel like we played Liberty uh, in like the Bahamas or Maui or like it was one of those, one of those types of venues. Um, but he was just so clunky and, and raw and, and, and couldn't, I mean, it was in foul trouble. I mean, it was just so it was night and day. You know, it just see how how far he's come. And his had big thing is he, he couldn't defend without fouling, and now he's he's able to do that. I rewatched the quote twice because it made me laugh so much. And he was talking about Edie in his freshman year. He said Edie would go out there and play 
15 minutes, get 13 points, have five turnovers, two booth reviews and three fouls. And I was like, yeah, like he was, that's exactly what it was. Like, he's like, and the other thing he said, he's like, Edie didn't know how to turn around without elbowing people in the face. I was like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but he's very cool. Good. Kind of real quick, looking forward to, um, our next game, um, you know, we go we go on the road this time to Minnesota. Um, you know, since we last played to Minnesota, they lost at home to Michigan, uh, lost at home to Mississippi State. They did beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. Uh, they barely beat Chicago State, who, um, while not the worst team in D1, like they usually are, are still not a great team. Um, they, uh, they lost at Wisconsin. They uh, lost at home to Nebraska. They did beat Ohio State on the road. Um, and then they got blown out um, at home by Illinois. Um, was the Ohio State on the road the one, the phantom foul at the end? I honestly don't recall. Yeah, because I think that was one. I want to say uh, number 10, the guy who went crazy when we played him. I can't think of his name. Um, anyway, yeah, I think Sensabaum drove to the rim, and their center like got all ball block. Hmm. And um, it didn't work out or whatever, and... Or vice versa, yeah. or something. I don't know. Perhaps they stay back for the the phantom, the foul they didn't get called uh, for Rutgers. And, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, the, the the main thing is, you know, we got to be able to contain Jameson Battle. He went off last time we played him. Uh, Dawson Garcia was a non-factor last time we played. I, I expect that to change. Uh, I know he got into some foul trouble, um, but obviously, like Talon Cooper. I mean, the guy shooting fifty-five percent from from three. Um, you know, we've got to be able to contain wow. those three guys, um, you know, to win this game. And I'm not going to say, like, oh, this is going to be an easy win because there's no no such thing as an easy win. But uh, they currently sit at 218th in offense in Ken Palm um, and 159th in defense. So, um, you know, I look look for Purdue to put up a lot of points and, uh, <clears throat> you know, but I'm thinking something like a, like an eight or nine point win uh, would be, be my prediction. But, uh, any other thoughts on that? No. So, uh, but just to back up real quick, you talked about that phantom foul at Ohio State. Let's talk about that phantom foul against Edie at uh, against Nebraska, where he just passed it across the court. Yeah. And they they called a foul on him. The only thing I can think of is like when he first pump faked, he like brought his elbow up. I mean, he didn't like make contact or anything. You're get even close, and then he like passed it to the other side of the court. Um. And they called that foul. That was insane. And then I wanted to add one more thing about the Nebraska game. I do think that was a good game. I think Lawyer had a, a great game as well. But Nebraska was also without two of their best players. So uh, they didn't have Greasel and they didn't have um, uh, what I can't remember what his name is. Uh, but they didn't have both of those guys. So, um, yeah. But yep. they did have uh, Tominaga who continues to just torch us. I, uh, I, I, I love I love him. He is a he is a great player. Um Juwan Gary is the other guy they didn't have that night. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Damon yeah, that, uh, or uh, Dylan, thoughts on the uh on Minnesota game? Um excited for it. I hate when Purdue has to play Minnesota because it's a terrible court. Yep. Uh, as I think Chris and I talk about often. Um I don't know, man. Purdue by a billion. That's what I always say. Yep. I think uh, I think that it'll be double digits. I think that okay. I think that yeah. they're going to get 
their post guys into foul trouble again because they're going to try and double, but I don't think that they have the defensive capability to double correctly, so they're going to get a lot of, like, reaching fouls or hack fouls on them. And Edie's going to have, like, 67 free throws or something in that game. And I think I think Lawyer's going to um, continue his success. I'll be curious to see how the crowd is. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they haven't drawn a whole lot of crowds this season. Um, but, you know, anytime the number three team is uh, coming to town. Um, Get everybody's best. Yeah, who knows? So, Target on uh, TBD on that front. Oh, yeah. Yep. I predict that the first 10 minutes of the game are going to make me really mad. And... <laughs> I'm gonna think the sky is falling, and then the second half is gonna start. I'm like, oh, it's all, it's okay, guys. We're good. Group Everything's fine. If only, if only uh, everyone could see Damon's uh, range of emotions in our group chat during pre. We have to talk him off the and ledge for like and the seventeenth time. And I want to preface this with: Bro. it's not the fact that I, I really think the sky is falling. It's I get scared. Okay, yep. I yeah. get scared. I get it, man. And I want because I just I see I see similar things from the past, and then I just go into this like PTSD episode where <laughs> it hurt too it's much. Two, it's two thousand four, and Kyle Orton's got the football again. And <laughs> I just... <laughs> that's Purdue. That's no, being a Purdue fan. Yeah. scarred, scarred group. Oh yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh man. Well, yeah. I think that's a wrap. Awesome. Well. Um, Thank you to everybody uh, that tuned in tonight. Uh, this has been uh, uh, so much fun. I know that we say that a lot, but we've absolutely loved starting this podcast. We love being able to do this and uh, get to hang out weekly, shoot the shit, talk Purdue, um, and again, get to put a spotlight on Boilermakers uh, from past and, and present. Uh, Bryson, again, thank you for being on Hunter Night. Absolute, uh, absolutely so much fun getting to know you more, getting to hear about your time in the NFL. Um you know, uh, just really, really cool stuff. So again, thank you guys for all tuning in. Uh, you can find us on Spotify. You can find us on Twitter, uh, YouTube. Um, and if uh, you're wanting to find all those links, you can find those at the, uh, on the card at the very beginning, right after the intro. Um, other than that, boiler up, hammer down and, and thanks for tuning in. Boiler up. Boiler up.